When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us all for the, all the evil which we did to him. So they sent messengers to Joseph, saying, Before your father died, he commanded, saying, Thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespass of your brothers and their sin, for they did evil to you. Now please forgive the trespass of the servants of God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we are your servants. And Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, in order to bring about, as it is to this day, to save many people alive. Now therefore, do not be afraid. I'll provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Now after this, we read of his passing, where he says, God will visit you and take my bones to the promised land, do not bury me in Egypt, which, of course, when Moses leaves 400 years later, they go out of Egypt with the bones of Joseph. This story, this event, on a personal level, is powerful to me because when I was seeking the Lord after my attempted suicide in late 1986, I picked up my Bible and I read the book of Genesis for the first time. I finished it in January of 1987, that very important year where I gave my life to Christ. And I read through the book of Genesis. And I didn't understand a lot, but I read through it. And as I read through it, this passage we read tonight is the passage that really was a prelude and the preamble to what God would do in my life personally to bring me to a saving faith from my Catholic background of believing in God, but coming to an encounter of a personal relationship with Christ. For it is in verse 19 and 20 where Joseph said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good, for the saving of many, that the Holy Spirit spoke to me, Joey Baran, in 1987, that much evil that I'd done in my life against myself and others, that if I would have faith in him, that he could actually turn it around for good and bring saving elements to other people's lives. That's what the Holy Spirit spoke to me. It'd be three months later when I read the Gospel of John, and in John 19, where it said it is finished on the cross, that I believe I was converted through faith in Jesus Christ. But this was a preamble. So for me, it's very personal and joyful to be sharing this text tonight with all of us on this night under these circumstances in our society. Joseph wept for his brothers because, of course, they were fearful. They were fearful of the unknown. They were fearful of retaliation. They were fearful of losing their day-to-day provision. Joseph provided for them. They were fearful of being cut off of bread, of being cut off of freedom. And these are fears that are very common in the human experience based upon who's in government, what the government's doing, what the local economy's like, or in our case now, the global economy, uh, what, you know, what takes place. Because even David Downs communicating with me from Italy is they've lost certain freedoms. You just, you just can't go out when you want to go out. We fight for our freedoms. We have lots of bumper stickers that express our freedom. Having come from Russia, I can tell you Russians don't think the same way at all. Russians fear their government. Uh, Russians just go with whatever. It's Russian. Whatever happens, happens. And Russians find a way to survive and persevere. Very different mindsets. And just being reminded of that, again, just a few months ago, being in Moscow, Siberia, and other places of Russia. So as we think about our global events going on right now, of course, I'm going to tie that into and local events to this message tonight because it's very appropriate and it's time-sensitive. And when it goes on the radio in six months from now, it may seem like nothing. 
right? Uh, but in the context of our day, it's, this is who we are. This is the word of the Lord to worship generation on this day. And we are wedged between a national emergency declared by the president and a national day of prayer declared by the president in this gathering tonight. So I use that surrounding to bring to pass. Joseph is a type of Jesus throughout his presence in Genesis. He's a typology of Jesus in many ways. And I do believe as Jesus wept at the tomb of Lazarus, as Jesus ever lives and intercedes for us at the right hand of the Father for his people individually and the churches collectively and locally, universally, that um, he would want us to be strong and to not be moved by fear, to not think the worst case scenario that God's out to get us or this is what we deserve or we've done something wrong or whatever, but that we be people of optimism and faith in Jesus Christ and who he is, his promises, his presence, and his promised return. And even as Joseph wept because of the fear and the uncertainty of his brothers, I would think the Lord has a heart for us not to be moved with fear over uncertainty that's surrounding us. God is our provider. God is our protector. And every promise in the book, as the children's rhyme says, is mine. They are ours. And Jesus hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And while the world has been caught off by these massive events, unprecedented globally, for sure. The Lord's not caught off. He knows the end from the beginning. He's declared the end from the beginning. And he is on his throne, and he knows the hairs on her head. And he's, he birthed WG 20 years ago at Calvary Costa Mesa. He's sustaining WG. He worked in your life. He's working in my life. He's working in our lives. And he's, he's got it. He's got the universe. And so as he looks upon us, we need to remember that God's thoughts for us are good thoughts of a future and a hope, not of evil. Which brings me to the first point in this text. When his brothers were afraid of the worst case scenario, loss of freedom, loss of income, loss of food, these basic necessities, retaliation, all these things, humiliation even, he says to them, do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? Joseph was just a man, but for us, Jesus is God. And he is in the place of being the great provider. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He lays me down by green pastures and by streams of living water. You know, he's, he's our shepherd. He's got us. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So where Joseph would say to his brothers, am I in the place of God? Which, of course, he's not. He's, we learn a lot about Joseph. And look at this statement on Joseph. All that we've looked at is character. He's like, am I in the place of God? I'm just a man. I mean, you're the most powerful man pretty much on the planet. You're a Hall of Famer for saving people and nations. But he's like, am I in the place of God? See, he had forgiven them, and we've covered this with Joseph, his character, his fear of the Lord, his favor from the Lord. He'd forgiven them for everything. There's no bitterness in his heart. He's He's a kind, gentle soul. He spoke kindly and words of comfort to them. But he says to them, upon am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant it for evil against me. So this first point I want to focus on tonight is there, are, there is evil in the world, right? Uh, and uh, after World War II, a number of religious leaders in the body of Christ who previously were evangelical, they believed in the promises of the Word of God, they believed the Word of God was authoritative from Genesis to Revelation, many of them renounced their faith, not the least of which was Billy Graham's discipler, Mr. Templeton. And because World War II was so horrible for the entire planet, 80 million people died, 
at least, and just so barbaric and just revealed the deep sin nature and the cruelty of humanity, many people like Templeton, who was an employee of, of Youth for Christ, Billy Graham worked underneath them, renounced their evangelical faith and moved to a liberal faith because they just didn't see how a God of love could allow evil. These are facts. This is church history. Even the generation that my dad is still alive down here at 89 at sunrise, these things were taking place when he was going to a church, the Congregational Church in Madison, Wisconsin, while his dad was in World War II and when his dad came back. There was a move from confidence in the word of God and the promises of God by many leaders and seminaries that God of light and truth and goodness could not allow evil, and therefore their theology became liberal because they couldn't compartmentalize how a God of love allows evil. Do not fall for that, WG, and do not fall in that trap. God is not the author of evil. He is the author of choice, and love has choice. And if you want to choose evil against God and humanity, you have that choice. If you want to choose righteousness or as it says in the word of God, we choose the fear of the Lord. You have that choice too. Like Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And it was to Joshua that God said, this word of the Lord, you shall not depart from it. You will meditate on it day and night. You will not, not depart to the right or to the left. And everywhere your soul goes, I will give to you. So in times of crisis, in times of uncertainty, in times of fear, we must acknowledge, yes, there is evil. Why would God allow me to lose my job? Why would God allow me to lose my house? Why would God allow me to go hungry? Why would God allow these people to be in power? Why would God allow me to lose these freedoms? These are questions that every generation asks in the history of the church based upon where they live and the circumstances of their world. And these are questions many Christians ask even today in Syria or in refugee camps in Turkey and other places. These are questions believers ask in Saudi Arabia. They're imprisoned for their faith, okay? These are questions that we grapple with and at such a time as this and where we're at and where this may go because evil is opportunistic and evil preys, P-R-E-Y, on fear. Fear sells. Fear is opportunistic. Fear often precedes totalitarian and authoritarian governments and power moves. Evil is real People do evil things to you, to your neighbor, and to your common man. But God is not evil. God is light morally, and in him is no darkness at all. So even in the book of Job, when evil men do evil things against Job, motivated and prodded by the father of lies, the evil one himself, Satan, Though it's filtered and allowed by God, it is not the action of God. And we must have clear theological and doctrinal distinctions of these truths. God said through Jeremiah in 29 to the captives in Babylon, My thoughts for you are not thoughts of evil, but thoughts of peace to give you a future and a hope. And those thoughts are the same toward you and I tonight, the church, his bride, and humanity in general. And whatever the future holds for us, we cannot be moved from trusting in the character of God, that God is light and him is no darkness at all. 
but men are evil. And I've said for years, do not underestimate the evil in men. And that's not being a negative person, but a realist. Men, women, were sinful, were born in sin. Cain killed Abel. It is evil. The people of Noah's generation, judging the flood, they were evil. The Holy Spirit says the thoughts and intents of their hearts were only evil. And the world of choice, great evil exists. And Joseph, this wise leader, said, as for you, you meant it for evil. He's acknowledging a reality. In texting my son the other day about the urgency of things that were unfolding before our eyes, he goes, Dad, I don't want to hear that. I want to see pictures of grandkids. And I said to my son, look, I, will, I like rainbows and unicorns too, but I know Zombie Nation want to see it. And I'm telling you right now, this is what you need to do. This is reality. We're told by Jesus, be wise as serpents and gentle as doves. The book of Acts, the history of the church, is filled with evil people attacking the gospel and those who preach it and live it and abide by it. Evil is a reality, but God is not the author of evil. Conniving brothers throwing their brother in the pit, they're the authors of this evil. And even as Satan plotted evil against Jesus, entering Judas's heart to commit evil, to crucify with capital punishment the one human being that had no sin other than Adam before he sinned and Eve, to crucify him was motivated by evil. So I encourage you to be wise as serpents and gentle as doves. Though there's an environment of evil that can be around us at any given time, in a normal societal function, let alone an imploding one, let not evil change who we are. Let it not move us from our faith, our doctrines of truth, who we believe in. Like Paul the Apostle said, you know, no, I do not count my life dear to me, nor do these things move me. I must complete my race that's entrusted to me. Ephesians, excuse me, Acts 20, 28. Because everywhere the Holy Spirit tells me, nothing good is in front of me. But these things do not move me, nor do I count my life dear to me. And by the way, that is Jeremy Camp's life verse, which he shared with me as he lost his wife, first wife to cancer. I always associate it with Jeremy Camp. It's his life verse. The words of the Paul the Apostle with an impending cloud hanging over the church of Jesus Christ with the rise of Nero around 60 AD. These things do not move me, nor do I count my life dear to me. So we don't want to be moved from our faith in Jesus, in his character, his promises, and who he is and what he's going to do, and that he's got our back because he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And we don't want to be moved from being ambassadors of the gospel of Jesus Christ in what we believe, what we speak, how we carry ourselves, how we treat other people, and how we live our lives in such a time as this. To thy own self be true, Shakespeare said, and I would say to the Lord Jesus Christ in his word, be true. There are going to be spiritual attacks against us to move us from a firm foundation. Do not be moved, but let us say together, none of the things move me, nor do I count my life dear to me, that I might finish the race and the ministry entrusted to me by Jesus. We acknowledge it. We know it's there. But we're going to walk in truth, and we're going to walk in wisdom. And the Bible tells us we lack wisdom, we seek it, and if we're not double-minded, we are promised to receive it.
That's how we're going to handle evil. Not just in this day and these times, but in general. From here to eternity. That's how Joseph handled it. The second thing we see is he said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And see, this is the beauty of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. For as it says in Romans chapter 5, even as sin entered the world through one man and death through him comes to all men, so too through the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. That's the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Because though Satan entered Judas's heart to put Jesus on the cross, we're told that God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believed in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. It is God the Father who ultimately put Jesus on the cross to save us from his wrath and a condemning death for being born in sin and being born evil and being evil in nature. So even as Satan entered Judas to accomplish that action, it's a chessboard in the realm of the spirit where check is suddenly gives way to checkmate. Because God is king and checkmate is the cross to deliver us from the power of the devil, the power of sin, and the power of the grave. And therefore we'll fear no evil, for perfect love casts out all fear. And that's what the cross is all about. So it's his perfect love that casts out all fear. That's clear what we're told. God is love and there is no fear with love. Perfect love, 1 John 4 says, it casts out all fear. Fear is darkness. God is light. In him is no darkness at all. We choose the fear of the Lord, not the fear of man, the fear of the unknown and uncertainty. So though they meant it for evil, God meant it for good. And with great conviction, Joseph said those words. Our good friend Tommy Coda, over there at Hope Alive in Santa Ana, he had a post today, and he shared the sister verse of this in announcing that they will not be having services tomorrow. I love Tommy. We, you know, I just love him so much and a, a brother in the Lord. But he was there in his Instagram. You could see it tonight. But he's quoting Romans eight twenty eight that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. That really is the sister verse of this passage. That's the New Testament. You know, you have sister cities. Like often cities have a sister city. Well, for this Old Testament verse, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good is a sister verse to Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for good to those who love God. Now, Jesus didn't say, or the Holy Spirit didn't say through Paul the Apostle, some things work together for good. Most things work together for good. 99% of the things work together for good. He says all things, todas cosas, work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose, being conformed to the express image of Jesus Christ. So WG, this is a great time to become more like Jesus. This is a great time to let the Lord chip off things that need to go. This is a great time to be reformed and transformed by the Holy Spirit. This is a time for self-discipline, for seeking the Lord, more time with the Lord, consecration to the Lord, fasting with the Lord, whatever that fast might look like, skipping a meal, skipping meals, well, skipping uh, entertainment, I mean, there, there's nothing to watch in the sports world. Bye-bye. It's gone. And uh, it's just the new reality. The whole planet's got a timeout. I mean, this is a timeout. You talk about a rain delay? This is a rain delay timeout for the entire planet. All these people and all the things they live for, it's like timeout. We just closed the borders in Spain. So Catholic Nation, what you say about Jesus Christ today? What are you living for? 
Do you believe the Bible? Do you believe Jesus is the Son of God? Do you believe he was born of the Virgin Mary? Do you believe you're saved by a church or by the Savior? Are you going to cry out to saints or are you going to cry out to Jesus? What say you, Spain? There's no Euro soccer going on right now. Forget Madrid, Barcelona. What say you about the things of eternity? You know, 80 years ago, there was a civil war in Spain as a prelude to the world war. Those Spaniards grew up with a very different worldview during that time. These Spaniards, oh, EU, everything's fun. It's a party, open borders, no restraints. It's all this and that. Yeah, yeah, that party's over, Spain. That party's over in Norway, too. It's over for most of the planet. So this is a great time for you and I, for the body of Christ. If you didn't go, if you haven't been on a retreat lately for the Lord, you're probably going on one right now. Because my reports coming from Matt Erickson, former deacon in Vietnam, David Downs, former servant of the WG ministry team at Calvary Costa Mesa and longtime recipient of our resources, now an Italian national citizen, pastor in the church there in Florence, Calvary Chapel, and others in the faith, particularly from Hong Kong, is the body of Christ has a lot more time to seek the Lord. Be still and know that I'm God is what the word of God says. And right now, he's saying that to the whole planet. Now, what humanity chooses to do with or without Jesus is their business, but what you choose to do with Jesus is your business. So I highly recommend that you consecrate yourself to a stronger, deeper walk with the Lord as a result of these events. Again, many school teachers aren't going to school on Monday. Most students aren't going to school anywhere in this country on Monday. People are getting laid off left and right. Timmy told me today that his co-workers in Long Beach Harbor and the Maritime, they've already cut back. 25% of them sent him home. It's just, it's, it's going like this, right? So this is the time for us to seek the Lord and to get that eternal vision and to be emboldened by the Lord with compassion and kindness like Joseph to share the Lord and speak the Lord in his words of life into people's lives for such a time as this. Immediate family, extended family, Neighbors, strangers. We don't know how long, we don't know when we might enter to a real lack of resources, how long that might be if it happens. I can only tell you what's going on in Italy, what's going on in Vietnam, what's going on in Hong Kong and Russia. That's all I can tell you. So I'm testifying to you of firsthand information that, and even in China, it's every other day that the common people still have access to go get their stuff. Now that's China, that's not America. I got that report from Shepherd Staff Ministry, the orphanage that Luke went and visited and learned Mandarin with my son. They have everyday access to food because of the orphans. They got favor with the government. The average citizen in their community, every other day, limited window to, to resources. Every other day. That's China right now. This is a chance to consecrate a season of life to the Lord. Now, some people are going to panic, and some people are just going to meditate on themselves. We choose to bow the knee to Jesus. And we're told in James, draw near to him, and he will draw near to you. And that is good counsel. So let it work for good. Because even in the book of Job, we're told in James, interpreting the book of Job, you know the end that the Lord intended for Job. It was a good ending. This is a good ending. If you choose to let it be a good ending for you personally. Wherever this goes, this ride that we're all on now, wherever this goes... We've never been there before. 
but Jesus goes with you. And like those country worship songs say, let him be the driver and make sure he's leading you in this journey, right? Okay. Um, I like to get off roller coasters. I don't even go on them anymore. Last, I went on the Manta at SeaWorld about five years ago with Jennifer. Like, that's the last roller coaster ever. And that's a, that's a low-level roller coaster, by the way. I'm like, I'm done. When you get older, you just don't like getting jarred. I kind of have anxiety on a roller coaster. I want to get off of them. Well, we're on one. And whether I accept that and stay, you know, hey, when, when, when the bar goes up, the bar goes up. Click, click. But until then, we're all in this together. So let's go, woo-hoo. Jesus, 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 right? You get corkscrewed on this run one way. I was speaking to someone last week, and, and we were ending the conversation. I said, Maranatha, and Maranatha to you too. The Lord is coming. The last thing we see, though, is basically what I'm talking about, is that these events, Joseph said, that seemed evil for good was to bring about the saving today of many people alive. That's our third point. It's a very important point because I believe that this global crisis is a great opportunity for the body of Christ. Now, 9-11 was a shocking event for New York City, and for about one year, many ministry teams went there and had powerful ministry. The people of New York were very open. Before they got back to being typical New Yorkers by 2003, 2004, a great move of the Holy Spirit happened in that part of the world, Ground Zero, and it was an incredible work that still extends to this day. There was incredible ministry opportunities with the military as they were going out to Iraq and these different, to Afghanistan and then Iraq. There was a real openness to the gospel. If you remember 9-11, and most of you do, there was a real openness to the gospel. The, the world was jarred, and there was an openness. This is, I personally believe, in my opinion, a much broader, far-reaching event than 9-11. Because 9-11 was a local terrorist attack, and the threat was, you know, a terrorist threat, but this is a very different thing because this is a global disruption threat of all economic infrastructure. So I think people are going to be more and more open to the gospel and really thinking what life really means and what life's really about. Now, maybe in three weeks, the NBA starts up again. Maybe in three weeks, you know, um, Major League Baseball, well, it's the second week of April now. Maybe, in, you know, in four weeks, Major League Baseball starts its season Hey, listen, I like my life. I like riding my bike on the bike path. I like unicorns and rainbows, all right? I'm all for that. You know, vacancy coffee, peaceful on a Sunday morning. Woo, here's to, you know, health, wealth, and prosperity, right? I like that. You like that. We like that. But that may not be what it is. And based upon all the intel I have, that's not what it's going to be. But either way, this is an opportunity for the gospel, I believe Jesus Christ has sounded the alarm. And even as that van alarm went off twice, even as the alarm went off twice in my house, the smoke alarm went 9-11, and twice on Saturday night, last Saturday, that the alarms being sounded in the realm of the Spirit make straight the way of the Lord. And so be bold in sharing your faith and your testimony. Be bold for the hope. Give uh, to everyone an answer a reason for the hope that's in you. Be bold. Do not be timid. Be kind courteous and gracious, but speak up for the Lord. Be bold. Bring hope because Jesus is a hope that's an anchor to the soul and most of the people around us have no hope. And if anything, you have a lot of fear. We just need to shift them from the fear of man and the unknown to the fear of the Lord and then there'll be peace because we'll keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon thee because he trusts in thee. So WG, body of Christ, on this night, March 14th, 2020, in these uncertain times of unprecedented nature. 
I remind you that Jesus Christ is on the throne. He's got your back. He's got our back. And he's going to guide us day by day. For in the Lord's Prayer, he said, give us this day our daily bread. So if he's going to reduce us to day to day, fair enough. Thy will be done. Your kingdom come. For yours is the power and the kingdom forever. So as we finish this book of Genesis, I want to say I've enjoyed this journey with you. It's the favorite book I've ever taught. Previously, Hebrews 2009, I think, was my favorite. Uh, somehow I just hit, caught lightning in a bottle with uh, Hebrews back in 2009. Oh, it's ahead of my time. This has without a doubt been my favorite study ever teaching as a pastor. I think it's been my, most, my best one, too. And um, so we seal the fruit of topical studies in the book of Genesis at this moment, on this night, under these circumstances. So thank you for your prayers during this time. Continue to pray for these studies as they go out on K-Wave, even tomorrow morning. If we're here next Saturday, which I intend to be, um, I'm thinking Exodus, but God might change that. (laughs) But I will open the word, we will teach the word, and we will grow in the word. So praise the Lord. I'm going to say a prayer. Jack, come on back up, and we're going to shift gears to a time of communion and worship.